Hey everyone, on this episode, I'm chatting with my friend Gio Marcus, who's a celebrity copywriter. So if you wanna learn about what it takes to push through the difficult times in entrepreneurship, but reap the benefits of that determination and resilience, you are definitely not gonna wanna miss this episode. And make sure you stick around to the end of the show because I have a special bonus freebie for you. When we recover, we are returning to a normal state of health, mind, or strength. We begin the process of regaining control over something that was lost. Welcome to the Road Beyond Recovery podcast, and my name is Tamar, your host. Have you ever felt like you were meant for more? Well, I help people discover their purpose so they can follow their passion and realize what they are truly capable of. My mission is to empower people in recovery to embrace their authentic selves, live up to their true potential, and answer the question, what lies beyond recovery for you? What's going on, everyone? Thank you so much for joining me on another episode of The Road Beyond Recovery. As I record this, I am just thinking about how full of gratitude I am. I have a very dear friend that Ever since I embarked on this full-time journey into solopreneurship, uh, we go for a walk each and every morning, rain or shine, and I just wanted to give a shout out to her. She knows who she is, and uh, I'm just, I'm super grateful that I have friends in my life that uh, hold me accountable and keep me active because I think that's one of the probably the most important things that I've done over the last uh, couple months is start to put my health first again, because I really got away from that. And, uh, you know, so I continue to build that relationship with food, but I make sure that I get out each and every day, rain or shine. And today just happened to be a beautiful sunny day here. So I am just full of energy and gratitude this morning. If you have not had a chance to join me in my interactive workshop, Purpose to Empowerment, make sure you check it out. Uh, In the workshop, I teach you how to develop a healthy mind, what it takes to excel in life, overcome procrastination, which is a huge one. So if you're feeling right now that you're just not moving forward, but you feel like you need to do a little bit more, make sure you come check it out. I'm also going to teach you, you know, why we continue to live in the past and what we can do about that, how we can get out of our comfort zone, how we we can move through that discomfort and actually start to create the life that we were meant to live. You can come onto the website, www.theroadforward.ca slash purpose dash empowerment and sign up today. Space is limited because I want to make sure that I give you all the attention that you need. It'll be interactive, like I said, so you can ask questions, but I hope to see you at the next workshop. All right, so let's get into today's episode where I chat with Gio Marcus, who is a celebrity copywriter. Now, she has worked with some of the greats in the um, industry, the self-help industry, and actually just had a recent one, which you're going to have to go check out her website and follow her on social media. Um, I believe she's working with Deepak Chopra, which uh, I think is absolutely incredible. But she has worked with some other greats in the self-help industry. And I love what she does. I love how um, she shares her story of overcoming adversity and illness. 
and you know starting her own business and doing what she loves and the awesome part is that you know she knows exactly what it's like to have her business completely flop and then to build it back up again and I think you know I'm starting to understand that you need to have a certain amount of resilience um, in order to do this because there are going to be tough times there are going to be times where maybe you're not making that monthly income and uh, Geo talks about her journey and how basically with the mindset that she developed, she didn't let it stop her. She built it right back up. And, you know, I think you hear it a lot with people in business that they can go completely bankrupt. And then a short time later, their business is booming again because they know their purpose. They know why they're doing what they're doing, right? They love what they're doing. So uh, Geo's story is no different but we definitely get into that developing resilience and I hope you enjoy this interview. Hello, everybody. I'm hanging out today with my friend, Gio Marcus. How are you doing, Gio? I'm doing really good, Tamar. How are you? I am doing great. Thank you so much for joining us on the show. So why don't we start off and uh, introduce you to my audience. So why don't you tell us a bit about yourself and what it is that you do? Yeah, definitely. Well, thank you for having me. I'm, I've been looking forward to having this little hang time and um, talking about recovery and all these topics. So I am a professional writer. My specialty is copywriting. So I do marketing for health and wellness brands, and I've been doing it for about 12 years or so. And I write email marketing campaigns. I do sales pages and um, social media ads, lots of different things that fall under that digital marketing category. I do funnels and I also teach copywriting. So before you started doing all this, you know, if you if you go to your website and read your bio, uh, life wasn't exactly that easy, right? You were very sick. Can you talk a bit about that? Yeah, definitely. So, you know, I had this lifelong dream of being a writer. Writing was always how I processed the world and from just a very young age. And it was something that I was always really consistently good at and got a lot of attention for. And so I, you know, I wrote to, I had a very um, tumultuous childhood. I was uh, you know, at one point at risk of being put into foster care and, and, you know, had visits with child protective services and all of that. And so for me, writing was sort of, you know, was a savior in a lot of ways. And somewhere in my late twenties, I think when I was about 27 or 28, I, you know, I've been working these jobs that just did not fulfill me. They were really hard on my body and being somewhat of an introvert, you know, working in restaurants and, you know, these very busy, loud places was just completely opposite of my nature. And so it was very jarring to my, um, to like my nervous system. And so I decided I'm going to write websites. And I had no idea what I was doing. Uh, I remember I, I had uh, my, I was um, dating a woman at that time who was a business owner. We were about the same age and she had a landscaping business. And 
she was super smart. She had joined a networking group and invited me to go. And so I did, I joined the networking group and I had no idea what I was doing. You know, I could bear, I was so shy at that point. I could barely, you know, during the, the meetings, we would have to stand up and talk about what we did and ourselves. And I just remember it was so excruciatingly painful, but I did it. And I, you know, I got some clients and it was kind of funny because some of them actually taught me a little bit about how to write marketing and they would hand me some resources to be able to do it. Cause I was a really good writer, but there really is a big difference between, you know, poetry or essays that you might write in school and being able to write marketing material, you know, to be able to write compelling words that get people to take action. And so I had to learn this whole other world and also learn how to get clients and to talk about what I did and to not be shy. And so I, you know, I had a few fits and starts for my business. I remember quitting my job a couple of times and declaring that I was going to do it full time and get clients. But then inevitably a few months would go by and I had to get another job because like, because I just, I didn't understand the business part of things and how to get clients. And so, um, yeah, in the beginning it was kind of rough, but eventually I sort of struck out and it, you know, hadn't, you know, it was, you know, I learned how to get clients. And so from then on out, you know, it wasn't all roses, but it got better. (laughs) And I think that's, you know, some people go into it, I think, and I myself as well, I'm like, okay, I'm going to become a life coach, I'm going to take a course, it's going to be good, I know my stuff. And then you go in and it's like, okay, well, I got a couple clients, but now what, right, there's really a knack to it. And I've myself had to learn, uh, learn a lot of the marketing skills and how to hook people in and how to show them like the result that you're going to get. Now, in terms of your writing, what's your favorite type of writing? Well, for so I've done a lot of different kinds of writing in my life. So artistically, I've done poetry. I've performed on stages of hundreds of people uh, for my personal writing. I've put together chapbooks. I went to grad school. I have an MFA, a Master of Fine Arts degree in creative nonfiction. I've written um, essays and memoirs and all kinds of stuff. Um, So for my creative, my own personal work, my favorite kind of writing would fall under the category of essays. Um, you know, so, you know, p- things that are a few pages long, but really encapsulate a mood or an event. And, you know, the definition of an essay is to explore. And I've always loved writing essays. Professionally, I love being able to tell stories, like the stories for my clients or even my own stories, you know, in my own marketing. I love being able to have that humor and that heart and really deep emotion and, and, and write things that stir people. So a lot of my clients are perfect for that because there's, you know, in the health world, there's so much at stake with, you know, people's health and their lives and their legacies. And so I just love being able to tell that story and, and motivate people to take action and and to really see what's at stake. 
So in your opinion, um, because I shared my story last year, and I honestly thought that my struggles and my past would always hinder my future. Like I looked at it like nobody's going to take me seriously. I'm an alcoholic drug addict. And I have realized over the last couple of years that the more vulnerable I am, it actually opens the door for other people to go, okay, you know what, I get it. So um, how important do you think that is that people really get into their story and and they allow that, get, they give that relatability? That's a great question. And it honestly depends. So if people are writing from a place where they're still very much in trauma and it's very raw, you know, you really, you know, it's a gamble to, to write about things that might open up comments that could be hurtful or, you know, you're not quite ready for. It's really hard to know though, you know, if you're at that point where you are ready to share and sometimes sharing something that's completely, you know, that's still raw can be healing. So it really depends on the person and their level of comfort. And if they have the resources to be able to deal with what putting their story out in the world and fielding what comes back. Um, you know, if you have the resources to be able to deal with that, if you have the support system and you feel like you're ready to do that, it really requires, um, you know, it's brave and, and you don't always know what, <laughs> how, you know, even if you are, you know, if you have dealt with it and have healed, you know, you might be surprised. There's always that element of, you know, you might, you know, it, it's, you might get upset, you might get hurt. But what I found is that there is, there's often such a, there's often much more of a positive payout to sharing. And what, whenever I've put out very vulnerable things, the feedback that I've gotten back, the, you know, people commending me, people relating to me, people seeing me has been infinitely more valuable than you know, a comment from somebody that might rub me the wrong way. So I, you know, and, and, and if you are comfortable in sharing your story, that is, you know, when, whenever, <clears throat> whenever you can move someone either in a positive way or sort of a, even like a negative way, you create a, an emotional response and that makes someone remember you. And when you make someone remember you because you've caused them to feel something, that's a really good thing, generally speaking. So it's, you know, I am a big fan of it. I always want my, I always encourage my clients to share their stories. I've had clients who have had mental health crises and they come to me because they want me to help them tell that story, to get it out in the world, to help other people feel less alone. Um, so, you know, and then sometimes people just aren't ready and that's totally fine too. So um, it really just requires a lot of, you know, just tapping into that intuition. Like, am I ready to tell this story? Am I, you know, is the payoff greater than the potential risk? Yeah, and I, I deal with that a lot in the world of recovery, right? Because it's, I remember when I got sober, 
there's the stigma, you know, on addiction still, whether we like it or not, there is still always these stigmas for different things. And I mean, I've learned that I just had to not worry about what other people think. If my heart is in the right place and I've got the right motives for why I'm doing what I do, then I just have to understand that people may have their opinions or their thoughts on what I'm doing. But I, I feel like since I've actually started to be more open about that I am in recovery and I've struggled with addiction, it's kind of opened up a lot of doors that I never thought was even possible. And it's actually been the secret to my success. So I know that, you know, just like myself, you actually discovered that your difficulties ended up being your strengths. Can you talk about that? Yeah, definitely. So difficulties, I've had a few. (laughs) And, you know, I I grew up in an extremely abusive uh, family situation, as I mentioned, and I felt very alone most of my life. I felt misunderstood. I didn't relate to other people. I I grew up in a very wealthy part of New York, although my family was, you know, one, a single family income. My father was a teacher. Um, We always had our needs met, but there wasn't a whole lot extra. And I lived in this very wealthy area where my classmates got BMW, you know, brand new BMWs for their birthday and things, you know, things like that. And so I always felt very, very different. And when I, when I, the, the less different from others, I can feel the healthier I am. I I think that when we hold on to that shame of thinking that nobody gets it, that we're weird, abnormal, that our you know, our struggles are are very unique. That's very isolating and it's very traumatizing. Shame is like holding back shame uh, or like holding on to shame is very traumatizing. And, you know, when you're, you know, for example, um, people who are LGBTQ, like who have to be in the closet, that's traumatizing. Um, And then the more that you can realize, well, there's other people like me that lifts this whole, you know, shining the light on, on your experience that you've lived um, and that there's actually nothing wrong with you. I mean, that is transformative or, you know, people with depression or addiction. I mean, when you see that there's other people who are like you, that is, that's hugely healing. So the more that I've been able to share my own personal story and to hear other people's, to seek out other people's stories who have been in similar situations to myself, that is when I can actually heal and not just cover, you know, not just move on and, and survive, but actually to address the core thing that it is. That's when I've been able to get more confidence and, you know, my business has grown, my relationships have improved. So it's, I've found it to be hugely beneficial. I'm a really big advocate of it. And I'm not always perfect at it. I, there's things that I still work on, but it's, it's something that I really see the value in and that I strive for. And and I always, you know, thank my friends when they share something vulnerable, because I know how hard it can be. 
And so what types of struggles led you to actually discovering your purpose? Like, was it any area specifically in your life where you're just like, okay, I have to change this and it actually inspired you to do what you do today? Yeah, so I, a few things. So I had um, health issues, um, I still do, but I, when I was 19, I was diagnosed with an autoimmune condition and I really went through the medical ringer with that. And so that uniquely led me to understand the plight of people who go through health issues and, and chronic disease. And so it really uniquely set me up to be able to work in the health and wellness field because I understand what it's like to have those issues and to really not have your health and to be laid out on the couch for weeks or months trying to, you know, get your medication right or get back into balance or, you know, going on all these special diets. I mean, I've been on every single special diet. <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, my friends think that I, they're like, you're always on a cleanse or, you know, something like you're always on a special diet. I'm like, yeah, you know, I just, I can't eat like everybody else. It makes me ill. Um, so that has uniquely set me up to understand and to be able to speak to people who have gone through health, you know, who are in that, that health struggle and I, you know, it gives me great satisfaction to be able to do that work. It's very meaningful to me. And I feel very grateful um, because it's, I feel like it's very worthwhile work. And people who haven't experienced a health crisis or like an addiction or like, you know, the, the similar struggles, you know, I used to get really bent out of shape when people, I felt like people didn't get it, you know, and like, you know, I, like I would try to explain to my friends something and they just, you know, kind of, they would, you know, not really say the right thing or they would just kind of change the subject. And now I've really come to realize that that expectation of people understanding, you know, even if they're wonderful people, unless you've really gone through a particular event, it's going to be hard to understand it. You know, I, I, I feel grateful for my struggles because they've given me a lot of empathy for a lot of different types of challenges that people might go through, but there's things that I don't, I can never relate to and I never will be able to relate to. So while some of that empathy can transfer and, you know, I can understand the core feelings that people have, it's, you know, it is going to be limited just by my lived experience. So, but, you know, I, I try, I read books, I educate myself. Uh, I do anti-racist work. I, you know, I try to dismantle capitalism where I can, even though I participate in it, you know, all kinds of things. But, um, but yeah, to answer your question, health is a big place that I've struggled. I've struggled with mental health and depression my whole life. Um, you know, I've struggled to, um, you know, with my physical health and I've struggled being a business owner. You know, it's, it's, it is a, it is a wonderful obstacle course <laughs> <laughs> that I wouldn't trade for anything. I mean, I'm so glad to have had this opportunity to grow. It's, it's made me into an adult. You know, I feel like when, 12 years ago when I started my business, I 
I uh, didn't know what I was doing and I didn't know how to handle situations with grace or, you know, I mean, I still try, <laughs> still try to figure that out, but um, it's definitely allowed me to be a much better person. So I'm I'm grateful for it. Well, and I think, you know, when when our adversity allows us to discover our purpose, um, I don't know about you, but, you know, I'm just really starting. I feel like I'm just a baby in the entrepreneur world because I just started last year. Um, but I, I keep reading these books and I keep this common theme about people who are successful in their entrepreneur journey. They've developed this purpose that's greater than themselves. And they always look at that. And I always look forward. And every time I wake up in the morning, I'm like, OK, what am I who am I here to serve and what am I here to do? And so, of course, I have just taken the plunge where I've left my full time job. So this is exciting. I'm stepping off the ledge right now. But, you know, being an entrepreneur for me so far has not been an easy journey. And like you mentioned, right, you've had success and you've also experienced a lot of a lot of belly flops, as you call it. So can you talk about that a little bit? Because I know that, you know, right now, I think in this day and age, everything is starting to go online. And I think a lot of people are looking into the possibility of what it would take to become an entrepreneur and not giving up, because that's the one thing I never want to get to the point is where I, I keep driving forward and I don't give up no matter how hard it is. Yeah, that is that that resilience is something that is necessary to be an entrepreneur and it's something that you can develop. That's the good news. And it's not for everyone because you know, some you know because it does push you um in in new ways and unexpected way and it will continually push you, but like I said the good news is that that resilience is it can be developed. Confidence can be developed. I used to be so shy. When I was in college, I remember being so shy that I couldn't speak. It, we would have these seminars where it was kind of open discussion. And I was so shy that I couldn't speak. I remember one of my teachers left me some feedback uh, that said, you're an active listener. <laughs> And now, you know, I I am a totally different person. I can be very outspoken. I have no problem in, you know, speaking in public or doing video or anything like that. I mean, sometimes it's still, sometimes it's a little challenging, but I would say to answer your question about the belly flops. So there have been many. Um, I... So, so from the beginning where I, I did not know how to get clients and I would quit, I would have this, I think twice I would quit my job and, and go out on a limb to try to get clients and it didn't really work. And then I think the second or third time I, you know, I had, so I had all these other jobs because it's, to me, it was more stressful to try to make something work when I didn't have the skills or the network to do that. I didn't know how to find clients. So I would have these other jobs. And I, I feel like there's really no shame in that, you know, because it's all about, you know, you don't, you want to push yourself, but you don't want to break yourself and you don't want to get into that red zone of stress. So, you know, so I'd had all these jobs and, 
And then I did get this client and we went on this retainer situation and then she referred me to lots of different clients and then it started going really, really well. And very soon after that, I, like, as soon as I knew that, okay, this is really, I think this is going to take off within, you know, it was kind of, again, it would probably was not great timing, but I went for it anyway, because I just wanted it so badly. And, and that time it worked and, and I was able to, to get, uh, to get enough clients to support me. And I'd been scraping by for years and years. So I was used to being a scrapper and I, I, and then at that point I decided I'm going to quit all my jobs. I'm going to move from Washington state where I was living. I was living in a small town in Washington state, and I'm going to move to, you know, where my rent was probably like $200 a month, like no, no joke. It was so cheap to live there. And I decided I'm going to move to San Francisco, California, because I've always wanted to live there and mind you. Um, so, okay. I'd been living in a refurbished 1974 trailer that was kind of cute. You know, it was like one of those cute little Airstream like things. And my partner at the time and I, we moved off grid to this 20 acre parcel of land in the Puget Sound and literally no power, no running water. I'm kidding you not. We had a little, we would buy blocks of ice and we had, and we put it into this little camping refrigerator and, and we'd get new ice every, you know, five days or so to keep our food cold. And we'd wash, you know, we had a little Creek and we washed dishes in the Creek and we had light from rechargeable batteries, lamp, like lanterns. And then I was, uh, you know, and during the day I was going to, I had a little office, I'd go and I'd write, you know, you know, I do my client work. And when I broke up with my partner, I was like, you know what? I'm just going to go for it. Like, I just have this like high risk tolerance. I don't know where I got that from, (laughs) but I said, okay, I'm going to quit all my jobs and I'm going to move to California and I'm going to get this very expensive business coach and I'm just going to make it happen. And I had some friends down here. So they encouraged me and they they basically lied to me. They're like, yeah, you can totally get cheap rent down here. Well, cheap was, you know, a thousand dollars and that was way beyond my you know, I was just like, you know, I'm just going to make it work. And I, and I did it. I don't know how I did it, but I did it. And, um, so it was going really good for a couple of years, learning a lot. And then I got very, very sick and I, it was the height of my career at that point. I was actually, you know, I was on my way to making six figures that year. I was busier than I'd ever been. I was you know, booked out and in high demand from all these really well-established companies that wanted me to write for them. And I just got passed around and it was very exciting. Then I got really, really sick. And I, my business came to a screeching halt for months and I lost all my clients and I was in the hospital and I came out of the hospital and I had gained like 20 pounds. I was suddenly super in debt from, you know, not being able to work for months and medical debt. And I, you know, I'd used up all my money, including like my tax money that I'd set aside. And I just felt, I I just didn't even know what to do. I, I felt so ashamed. I, you know, my big value is, one of my big values is to, 
um, be dependable. And as a business owner, you know, you really do have to keep your word to people. You can't just flake. And so, you know, that I had let so many people down, I had to refund clients and, you know, call off projects. And it was just, you know, it was a nightmare. And so being able to climb back from that, I, like I did it relatively, I did it within eight months or so. Um, but I had to get part-time jobs in the meantime when, you know, when I was finally, you know, healthy enough to work and at like restaurants and, you know, I'm a terrible waitress. I'm like the world's worst waitress. Nobody, I should never wait tables. It's just, it doesn't go well for anyone. I'd always get fired, you know? And so like that hurt my self-esteem that I was taking these jobs. You know, I hear, I had this like, you know, I had like multiple degrees and I was working in these jobs um, that weren't using my degree or my skills. And, you know, that was kind of hurtful to my confidence, which, you know, no, now I know it's like no shame. You do what you got to do. Um, but at the time it was very hard and, and humiliating because I wasn't actually good at those jobs. And so, you know, my brain just doesn't work that way. Like I can't, it's, you know, when you're working in restaurants, it's almost like you're playing basketball, you know, you're seeing like the big picture of things and like retaining information. I have to write things down. I don't have that kind of short-term memory recall like that for those kinds of details and whatever. I won't totally get into all that, but the long story short is that I was able to build my business back up. Um, at that point I started getting really excited, exciting clients. Um, you know, I started working with, uh, even I know, so previously I had been working with New York Times bestselling authors and I started working with even bigger names. I worked with Deepak Chopra. Um, I worked with Tony Robbins and I, you know, I got to this level that was way better than before and it's taken some time, but I've really had a lot of success from them from that time. And I just feel very grateful for it. I never take it for granted. All my friends are like, how did you do that? I don't really, I can't honestly answer, but it does feel really good. And it feels good to be on the other side of that. And I'm sure that I will have, you know, not like that situation in particular, but I know that I will have challenges in the future. And I know that I have the resources to deal with them. So, um, yeah. <laughs> so it, during that whole time, what kept you from giving up? Uh, just, you know, I really, even when I started my business, like the reason why I was so determined to start it and to make it work, I just knew I had to be a writer. Like I knew this was the thing that I meant to do and I had to figure out a way to do it. And it was like the, you know, the thing that I've always been good at, the thing that I've always loved to do. Um, it gives me this incredible sense of purpose and pride. And so I think that that is the thing that I can credit with keeping me moving forward. And there were many times when I wanted to give up. I just, you know, I felt so bad for so long and, um, it feels very good to be on the other side of that. So it is possible. Like, you know, if you do, I just want to say, you know, I'm sure you've had those kind of belt, you know, we've all had those belly flops and we've all moved past them and we have these different ways that we can move on. Um, but just taking those baby steps and, you know, appreciating wins, even the small ones when you're in that place where everything just feels like it's, you know, 
<laughs> like you're just, your life has brought you to your knees, literally. I mean, that's what that, you know, those months felt like, but I was, you know, when you get those wins and you hold on to them and you can celebrate them, that's really important too. Absolutely. And I tell all my clients that, right? It's like, whenever you're struggling, just turn around and take a look at how far you've come, right? The things that you do every day to bring you forward, no matter how small they are. And I mean, I've hit a wall before, like the belly flops, where I'm just like, okay, I feel like giving up, but I just do one little thing. And it could be the smallest little thing, but it's just that desire, because I feel like I do have, you know, I meant for more. And so, you know, for you talked about um, developing that resilience. So for anybody that is struggling to get going or maybe they've experienced the failure, but they really have the desire to continue on, how do you how do you stay like, you know, mentally fit, um, spiritually fit and just really develop that resilience to not give up? Yeah, so. I am determined to get what I need. That's kind of a mantra that for me, I can get what I need because for much of my early life, I had the negative of that, which was I can't get what I need. And it was just so painful. So whenever I'm having a hard time, I ask myself, how do I get what I need? Like, like I, like I have it, but like, what can I do to get what I need? And so I have a multitude of ways that I get what I need and that I intentionally ask myself that question. Journaling has been immensely helpful. Um, I have gone through 12-step recovery programs. That has been incredibly helpful to get those spiritual tools and to, um, know that there's, there's things that I'm not in control of and there's things that I am in control of. That's been hugely helpful um, to be able to differentiate between those things and let go of certain things. Um, I have incredible, I've built an incredible friend community who I rely on to, um, so one thing I'll say about friends, they're not therapists. Um, and that's been something that I've had to really learn, but, um, you know, just having those friends that you can relate to is super important as well as therapy. I'm a huge advocate of therapy. I've done so much. I've probably spent more on therapy than I have on, you know, my college educations, you know, it's, it's, it's so worthwhile to me. It's been hugely beneficial. And I've invested a lot of time into it to heal my core wounds and to just be a better person and have developed that self-reflection and self-awareness. Um, what else do I do? You know, I just try to slow down, like, again, just slowing down and asking myself, what do I need in this moment? Cause you know, when you're running a business, there's you know, things just pile, like you, all of a sudden things can just pile up. Like you get an email that you're like, oh my gosh, I have to deal with this. And then you've got this client project and you don't know how to do it. You know, it's just like a million things that you're just making up as, as you're going along and being able to slow down and piece things out and address them instead of just glossing over them. And, um, you know, sometimes you have to just keep moving, but I found that when I can slow down and address things and give myself what I need, then um, it makes the experience a lot better <laughs> for everyone. 
Yeah, I know what that's like. And, you know, even the 12-step programs. I mean, for me, I think that was key was developing that foundation because, you know, it's not like I just got sober and bam, life was really great again just because I decided to put down the bottle. It takes a lot of work and it still takes a lot of work to not get myself into that headspace where, like you said, right, your your friends are not your therapist, right? And, you know, my friends have been some of my greatest support over the years, but it is really important to continue to do that work for yourself. And I think especially this year, that's slowing down. And maybe that's one of the good things that came out of this whole pandemic over the last year is it did really force people to slow down and I think people now want that deeper connection and they crave that again which I think is really important and I I, it's honestly what I love about podcasting and doing what I do is I get to have really cool conversations with people like yourself right and so I feel like I constantly get that connection but a lot of people lack that I think yeah definitely I think you know, I'm a big fan of self-help books. I'm a big fan of podcasts and listening to other people to get ideas that are outside of my own head, because I, you know, that is something I can just get so in my head about things and, and, you know, I've decided how things are and I know what I know, and this is the way it is. And it has been hugely helpful to listen to podcasts and just open my mind to other experiences and other possibilities um, that's why I, lo- I love 12 step programs, like being in rooms with people and hearing other people's shares and vulnerabilities and successes. Um, that's been, that was hugely, hugely helpful for me, but yeah, I love, you know, I call it shadow work where I'm intentionally looking at the unconscious patterns that I, that I have and, and working through them, bringing them to light and um, being able to learn from them and just, and having gentleness on myself. I think that is so important. It's like, okay, so I developed this hard shell because my childhood was um, less than ideal and I could, you know, sit there and blame, or I can learn from it. And, you know, it's not too late to go back and address those things. You know, I think, you know, I think that for a long time, I thought, oh, I moved past all that. And, you know, I forgave my mother, which was amazing. And I forgave my father by and large, you know, it's like, I've, I've done all this work to forgive my family. And it's, and now I have incredible relationships with them, like far better than I ever thought. And, you know, but then it's not too late to go back and, and heal even deeper. And, and that's, you know, just the continuous journey that we get to do. I agree. And, you know, let's talk a bit about what you do, because you have a master class for with funnels. That's an area you specialize in. Can you get into that a little bit? Because I know for some of our entrepreneur, you know, people may be looking to get into it. That's probably something they need to start learning is funnels, because I know that was a big part of my journey in the beginning. Yeah, definitely. So a funnel is um, a way that you take someone on a journey and you take them on a very specific journey that you have carefully crafted, um, to give them a good experience and to introduce them to, uh, the business and to, you know, perhaps the brand story, um, and that, you know, the purpose of it is to help them solve a problem. And so there's many different kinds of funnels, but, 
so you're, you know, you can do a funnel starting on a Facebook ad. I'm sure, you know, you've, you've, if you don't know what a funnel is, you've definitely gone through one <laughs> without knowing. Um, anytime that you've clicked on an ad or on uh, social media um, or, you know, signed up for someone's email list, then, you know, very likely you're, you know, you're in a funnel. And, um, and so funnels can sometimes be selling a product at the end of the funnel. Um, sometimes, you know, so if you're interested in sleeping better, um, you know, you find out about this brand, this company that specializes in sleep. And so you, um, opt in for their lead magnet, you know, maybe it's a free guide for better sleep. And then you get follow-up emails just, you know, about sleep tips and, um, helping you solve the, you know, giving a lot of value ideally. And, and then also giving you invitations to purchase things usually. So, um, you know, it's a really good way to get new customers acquainted with, the brand and and the serve or the services that you provide, um, it can be even as simple as you know the the funnel asks people to you know book a call with you to to learn more. So it doesn't always have to be directly leading to a sale, but oftentimes you know the goal is to get new customers and to build up that know like and trust factor quickly. So. What would you say are the keys to having a successful funnel? Oh, well, (laughs) (laughs) oh, so many things. And it really depends. But I would say you need a really good way to draw people in to solve a specific problem. And then the beginning of the funnel really has to make sense with all the other pieces of the funnel. So there has to be this cohesiveness where the, the thing that, you know, that first touch point makes sense for the middle touch points and, you know, the, the offer or the, you know, the final touch point, even though it's, you know, this ongoing thing after, you know, doesn't really, you know, ideally it doesn't truly ever end, but because then once people are in your world and then they get your marketing emails and then perhaps they follow you on social media and all that stuff. So that way you stay connected, but, um, you know, making sure that there's a, a strategic cohesive, um, chain of events that you're bringing people on a very thoughtful journey. So there's a good user experience and um, that you don't bombard people with, you know, and, and that the copy, so the words that you use, um, copy is just words that sell, even if you're not, you know, even if you're quote selling, um, just trying to get someone to open up your next email, um, you know, it's persuasion. It's the copy is persuasion. It's, it's, you know, we're, and not in a, I think a lot of people have a negative connotation with persuasion, but it's, you know, getting someone to pay attention, get off their butt and take action. And and that's really what the core of copywriting is. And that's why it's different from, you know, poetry, for example, but yeah, so so making the copy stand out and making it original and unique and also true to the the brand, the service, you know, the service that you're providing. If you're um, a solopreneur or uh, if you're selling vitamins, you know, just making sure that you have that really interesting copy that stands out in the you know 400 emails that everybody gets every day. Oh, I know, and I. You know, I do it once a week because I'm very mindful. I mean, there's days where I'll get five emails from the same person. Is that, you know, when when 
in terms of a funnel and email campaigns, do you think there's a point where people overdo it a little bit? Yes, that is a risk. And um, it's for most people that that line is greater than you think. Like a lot of, you know, some new entrepreneurs are really afraid to reach out to people at all. They don't want to bother them. So they only do once a month emails. And um, that's not enough. I would say once a week is bare minimum. And the more that you, you know, and if you can do it even a couple times a week, it's better just because the more that you, you know, especially if, if you're, what you are sending out to people is really quality and really, you know, solve, like being really valuable to that person, like just giving really great information and being of value or telling a story, entertaining someone, you know, there's lots of different ways that you can create that value. But if you are always asking for a sale, uh, that might get really annoying. Um, you know, if you're always asking someone to buy something, but you know, there's certain brands that do it like Macy's or whatever, you know, I'm sure that they are, yeah, I don't know how often they are emailing people, but you know, some people, you know, you like that and, and you, you expect that from them, but, um, for different kinds of brands, there's, you know, a sort of a, a threshold. And if you start noticing that a lot of people are unsubscribing, um, you know, that's, that could be a good indicator that either you're emailing too much or the quality of what you're sending out is, um, you know, maybe it doesn't have the level of love that it could, or maybe your audience is the wrong, you know, maybe you're speaking to the wrong audience too. So, you know, there's a couple of different things that could be going on there, but well, that's you don't what have I... to like think that people want to hear from you. Yes. Yes. And I think it's really important too to make sure you know who that audience is because I think, you know, when I was in, um, when I did the, the Road to Health podcast, I was focused on health, right? And I was taking people through my own journey as, you know, mentally, spiritual health, physical health, because it is an area that I've struggled with. But I almost wanted to hit everybody who ever struggled with weight problems or everybody in the world who struggles with health problems. And I wasn't gaining any traction and it wasn't until I started focusing specifically on people in recovery that have suffered from addiction that now I've started to notice because I'm actually, I can speak their language, right? I can, I can yeah. talk to them. I can relate to them. So, I mean, that is super important that you're speaking to the right people. Yeah. Segmentation is queen. Yeah. The more that you can get very specific with your audience and who you're speaking to, and define your niche. Uh, you know, a lot of people think, well, I have a niche. I, you know, I'm in health and I, you know, I'm a health coach and I work with women. And that's, that's not a niche. You know, oftentimes you have to go three, four, even five times levels deeper um, to really be able to feel like people are like, like the experience that you want to create for people is you want them to feel like you're speaking directly to them. And like you're in their heads and that's when you can get super fans absolutely i've noticed it's been a huge difference so in terms of your master class what could people expect for that if they're interested yeah so if people are interested you can go to my website it's www.geomarcus.com and that's g-i-o-m-a-r-c-u-s and it's a four-part masterclass that is specifically for health and wellness practitioners, although 
you know, anybody can benefit from it to get, uh, you know, if they want to learn about funnels, but in it, I do talk about some specific considerations for health and wellness practitioners, um, in terms of messaging and, um, in the U S you know, and also, you know, all I'm assuming a lot of different places, you have to be very careful about what you can and cannot say because of the federal regulations. And so I talk about that because, uh, you know, you can get very, you know, you can have your business shut down if you use certain language or make certain claims. So I talk about that. Um, I talk about how to, get people's interest and keep it. Um, I also talk about not over promising to people because, you know, that is something that really breaks my heart when I see certain practitioners over promising things that, um, you know, gets people's, it's like, it's a fine line. You want to be able to like really inspire people and give them hope, but, um, you also have to be real. Like, you know, there's no silver bullet. And so that's, I think that that is an ethical, um, strong, strong ethical, uh, consideration that health and wellness practitioners have to be aware of. So. Absolutely. So if people want to learn more or want to get in touch with you, how can they find you? Yeah. So there's uh, my website, as I mentioned, it's geomarcus.com. You can sign up for my funnel masterclass and also, um, emails that I put out and, um, and just like, you know, I, I, I tend to do pretty funny and irreverent and quirky emails. I get a lot of good feedback about my emails that they are the only emails that people read that they love getting emails from me or that they have a special file for my emails because they're like the perfect marketing examples of what to do. And I, I love getting that kind of feedback. It never gets old. Um, and also I'm on social media. So I've got a, Facebook group called Revenue and Reach, and um, people can request to join that. And um, you know, I'll do Facebook Lives about copywriting and keeping it, keeping the copy interesting, um, not being afraid to market yourself, and and different, you know, veteran tips from twelve years in marketing and, and owning a business. So um, that's another way that people can stay connected with me. So basically, if they want to learn a, a great way to do emails, they have to sign up for your email list. Yes, <laughs> they must. You must. Yeah. Well, like, th- I don't think it should be boring. You know, no. I really don't. I think that it's it's so important to have fun with business. It's like nobody wants. Um, God, it's like if I'm boring myself with my marketing, I can only imagine that other people are bored. So. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, thank you, Gio, for being on the show. I really appreciate appreciate you uh, chatting oh, with us Oh, it has today. been my pleasure. Thank you so much. And I, um, I just really appreciate getting to have this conversation with you. It's been super fun. So thank you. Well, I hope you enjoyed that episode. It was so great to chat with Gio. I just love the resilience that she's built up and how she has, you know, gained success Um, also realizes how easy it is to lose a business, but just has built that resilience to continue to move forward and do what she's doing today. And 
As a result, she has got to work with some amazing people and I'm just super excited. Um, I think it's amazing and I just love connecting with guests like Gio. So anyways, guys, I told you that I was gonna give you a freebie and so if you've been listening to the show, you may have already downloaded your copy, but I'm giving away my first book, Hope Elevated, for absolutely free. You can head on over to www.theroad.com forward.ca slash beyond dash recovery and download your free copy. Of course, it is available on Amazon at any time if you want to buy the print copy or of course the Kindle, which I love my Kindle. Um, But anyway, it's available there as well. But uh, right now you can get the book for absolutely free. So head on over to the website and grab your copy today. Guys, I will see you on the next episode. Thanks for listening to another episode of The Road Beyond Recovery. Did you know that our dreams can become a reality? When you determine your purpose in life and you allow that purpose to guide you, anything is possible. It just takes action. Don't wait until you're ready. Start to create the life you were truly meant to live right now. I am super passionate about my mission to help people live up to their true potential. So if you want to learn more, check out my website at www.theroadforward.ca. And until next week, keep exploring what lies beyond recovery for you.